Welcome to the Finding a Job podcast, a Ben J. Schaap LLC production. In this podcast, we share the stories of world-class business leaders as they discuss their professional journeys, job search strategies, and tactics that have led them to career success. If you're looking to find a fulfilling, well-paying career path, this podcast will unearth the tools and tips you need to expedite your learning curve and avoid common roadblocks that face people entering the working world. Now here's the host of the Finding a Job podcast, Benjamin Shapiro. Welcome to the Finding a Job podcast. Today we're going to reveal some of the practical job search tips and strategies you need to land a great first job. Joining us again is Leslie Mittler, who's a co-host of the Finding a Job podcast and a career coach and co-founder of Early Stage Careers. Leslie's company is a service that helps college students bridge the gap between their education and their first job. And today, Leslie and I are going to talk about why you need to update your LinkedIn profile and how you can make it sparkle. Okay, here's my conversation with Leslie Mittler, career coach and co-founder of Early Stage Careers. Leslie, welcome back to the Finding a Job podcast. Thanks. It's great to have you back here today. We're going to talk a little bit about my favorite social network. I know it sounds strange, but as you get older... You stop focusing on building your Instagram following and you start focusing on building your LinkedIn following. It's just a fact of life. Talk to me about why LinkedIn is such a popular platform and what utility does it have for job seekers? Well, it's a really popular platform because LinkedIn has so many users who are both individuals and recruiters. So for individuals, it gives you a format to build your professional profile and your professional network. And for recruiters, it is a source of candidates and information for them. So right now, there are probably around 150 million LinkedIn users in the United States. And globally, of course, it's a multiple of that. But to give you an idea of the access that you have as an individual and as a company to information. So there's a lot of people that are on LinkedIn. There's also a lot of companies that are on LinkedIn. It's a great place to find information about the organizations that you're interested in working with, and also learn a little bit about the people that are there or find ways to get in touch with the people that work at the companies that you want to work at. I think what's really interesting is that we're a little bit ahead of where we need to be because people have to understand what it means to be on LinkedIn. And I think for college students in particular, they really don't understand the value. So you know, when I'm talking or when we're talking to a parent and we're saying, and is your son and daughter on LinkedIn? And they go, oh, they're on LinkedIn. They've got a profile and you go to their name and all you see is merely the name and maybe where they go to college. That is not being on LinkedIn. That will not help anyone to find out anything about you. And it will not help you to show up on anybody's radar. So if you're going to be on LinkedIn, you need to be full in on LinkedIn. So let's talk a little bit about how to build a great LinkedIn profile. We're going to start basically at the top of the page and work our way down when you're putting your LinkedIn profile together, talking about some of the things that are the most visible, and then also how to build credibility with the rest of your profile. Leslie, what is the single most important thing that you can do on your LinkedIn profile? Well, if you read the statistics, it might say that having a professional headshot because you will get 14 times more views with a professional headshot than you will if you have no headshot. 
this is not like having a Twitter account, which, you know, having the egg allows you to tweet and the content that you're posting matters. If you don't show that you are an actual real person in your LinkedIn profile and you're not taking the profile seriously, not only will people not be interested in reading the rest of the content that's on your profile page, it might actually make you look unprofessional and potentially hurt your candidacy if you're applying for a job. Leslie, what makes a good professional headshot? I'm really glad you asked that. Let me tell you what makes a good professional headshot. First of all, it should be a headshot, not a far off picture of you standing on a beach or in front of a tree somewhere. So somebody wants to see you up close. You should be dressed in an appropriate way. So if you're a guy, you don't need to be wearing a suit, but you should be wearing a button-down shirt as opposed to a golf shirt. You should have a solid background as opposed to a picture of you on vacation or in front of a gigantic piece of art in a museum. So you want to have a solid background. You want to have the headshot be up close so somebody can actually see you. And most importantly, you should update your headshot, especially if you're early in your career or in college yearly, because I will often meet people who I've looked at their LinkedIn profile, and then I meet them, and I find out that I was looking at the face of a 16-year-old, not a 22-year-old. I think the important thing is you should be bright-eyed, well-groomed. It should show your face and the image that you're trying to present professionally. So this is not a vacation shot. This is not a personal social network. It should not show how cool you are. Show that you're a professional. This is the person that somebody wants showing up to work every day to get the job done. And can I mention just a couple of other things that I've seen occasionally on LinkedIn? People have pictures with sunglasses on or people are scowling. You want to look warm. You want to look inviting. You want to look like somebody who somebody wants to get to know. Be friendly. Bright-eyed, cheery, well-dressed, well-groomed doesn't mean you have to shave your facial hair, guys, if you have a beard, but make sure you don't look like you're sleeping under a bridge. All right. Um, as much as we joke, keep it professional, keep it clean cut. Outside of the headshot, you know, the first thing that people are going to look at when they go to your profile is what do you look like? Where do they go after that? They're going to look at your headline. So if you're a college student, maybe you want to stay where you're studying what year you're graduating, and what you're studying. The headline will automatically update, for example, if you add an internship. So at the end of the summer, when your internship is over, two things. One, don't forget to put an end date on the internship so people don't think that you're actually employed by the company. It will be confusing. And secondly, you should put revert your headline back to that it should be referring to you as a college student and the class that you'll be graduating in and what you're studying. So the headline is important. So there's a couple different things here. There is a headline. And this can actually be used a couple different ways. A lot of people use the headline to describe what their current job is. My headline is MarTech Podcast Host, Brand Development, and Growth Marketing Strategy Consultant. I probably need to update that to include the Finding a Job podcast. There's also the current position role, which is important because when someone searches for you, they're going to be looking for a specific job. If somebody wants to find somebody that works at Ben J. Shap LLC, they're going to look at my current position. So some people in their headline put you know, a summary of what their career is about growth executive with 15 years experience working in podcast production would be an example for me. 
some people just put their current job title. It depends what you think is your best foot forward. You might put college student at the university of wherever you go, looking for jobs in whatever role you're looking for. You might put your internship, who knows? But I think it's important to call it the difference between a headline and a current position and that people use headlines to either describe what their latest role is or to describe what they feel like summarizes them the best. Leslie, do you have a preference for how to summarize who you are in a headline? You know, I think it's important to try to use keywords so that when somebody gets to your headline, they might see several descriptors of the kinds of things that you do, like accomplished podcast interviewer, frequent blogger, you know, et cetera, et cetera, you know, to list the different things and the different qualities that you've developed. That's one thinking about how to do a headline. So to be inclusive. So if somebody lands on your page and they don't know exactly what your job is, if you just describe it by job title, like if we said, you know, college career coach, that really doesn't give anybody an idea of what I do. But if I talk about, you know, with an expertise in interviewing, building social profiles, networking, etc. So you get a sense now that if you've landed on my page, you get an idea of what are some of the things that I do as a coach. Okay, so basically, we're talking about the things that I would describe as above the fold. And by above the fold, when somebody is looking at a web page, that means what is shown right away before they scroll down, people are going to be looking at your headshot, they're going to be looking at your headline, they're going to be looking at your current position, and then also your summary. Leslie, how do you summarize your experience? And what's the difference between your headline and your summary? Well, the summary is where you talk about the skills that you've built in the various jobs or internships that you have. And this is where you really can pay attention to making it a little bit more keyword rich and where you can highlight some of your accomplishments that you think are going to be more relevant or more impressive to somebody who's reading your profile. You can also use you know, numbers to highlight your achievements and accomplishments. And it also shows some somebody, you know, how well you communicate and how well you write and gives them a fuller picture of who you are. And I will say that there is not one way to do a summary or a headline. This is all pretty subjective. So some people prefer to have a longer summary, which is more like a narrative. And some people prefer to have, you know, a two or three sentence summary, which is punchier and quicker. And so that's a personal preference. I think of the headline as a one sentence summary. If somebody had to understand who you are from a professional perspective in one sentence, that's your headline. Your summary, which is shown up in your about section of your page, is your paragraph. Maybe it's two or three paragraphs, depending on your experience, but it is where you can go into a little bit more depth. Leslie, you brought up one thing that I think is very important. And this is a little bit about internet marketing and making sure that you are findable, that you're searchable. It goes into what keywords you're using. If you want to be known as someone who is an expert in a given field, make sure that you're using that keyword in your headline and your summary. So for example, for me, podcast might be in both my headline and then I might have a paragraph in my summary about podcasting, what my experience is there. Whenever anybody is searching for you on LinkedIn, they might not be searching for you by name. They might be looking for Syracuse University student media production. 
right? And you need to have media production somewhere on your LinkedIn profile for you to show up in that search. And your about page is the best place to get that content on the page. One other thing before we skip down from that top box, which is really important on your LinkedIn, is to know that in addition to having your headshot, you can also have a background photo. So, you know, in our case, we have early stage careers or my partner, Jill, has a picture of her being interviewed by somebody in the media. So you can have a background photo in addition to your headshot and make use of sort of that blank space that's at the top of the page. I think as a default, it's good to have a image in the background. And you can spend some time making this personalized. I would keep it professional, try to represent who you are as a working professional. If you can't think of anything, just put your university right? Put a a photo of the university in that space. Moving down the page as we get beyond your basic blocking and tackling of your photos, of your headline, of your summary, there's the rest of the content on the page that goes through your activity, experience, some of the education you have, skills, endorsements, recommendations. Leslie, where should our listeners focus when they're thinking about filling out the rest of their profile? Well, unlike your resume, where you have only one page to get all of your experience, extracurriculars, interests, hobbies, et cetera, skills listed on LinkedIn, um, you are not confined by space. So there may be things that you would like to have somebody know about you, but just didn't fit onto your resume. So I would say, you know, certainly your experience is really important. And let me just point out one thing you should use your resume as a guide for completing your LinkedIn profile, make sure the dates agree, that the titles of the jobs agree, that all the information that you have on your resume is consistent with what's on your LinkedIn profile. That's really important. So I think getting all of your experience in, and if you feel that there's experience that didn't fit on your resume, but that you would like to share with people, you will have the space to do that on LinkedIn. So maybe it's something that you did in high school that you think was really important. No room on your college resume, but definitely room on LinkedIn if you want to put it there. How far back do you advise college students to go when they're thinking about what professional information? Is it a lemonade stand when you were in fifth grade, right? Is it your internship when you were working at an ice cream store in high school? What's the cutoff line for you to keep things professionally relevant? Well, I generally like to see people start with their college experience. However, if you're early in your college career and you fill out your LinkedIn profile and it looks a little thin, it looks like you haven't done that much, but there's some stuff from high school that you think is important for people to know about you, I would put it on the profile. So you look more robust. There may be some interesting things you did. Maybe you did fundraising for a charitable organization. Maybe you organized a huge event, things that would be interesting for people to know about you in terms of skills that you have outside of the skills that they see under your job descriptions. So Leslie, I worked at Sweet Treats Ice Cream Parlor and I worked at Round Table Pizza in high school. When I was in college, should those things still be on my LinkedIn profile? I would say generally know that you're looking for the more unique experiences. Maybe you worked on a uh, national political campaign Maybe you were invited to some sort of conference of scholars. Maybe you were in a national debate or you participated in some sort of competition that 
you had to be invited to. Something that really stands out as unusual and unique and that people might be interested in knowing about you. So I think that context here that matters is that you need to put things that are going to be professionally relevant. The fact that I had a $7 an hour job when I was in high school scooping ice cream is not relevant when I'm in college applying for a job. The fact that I was, you know, the lead in uh, play uh, for the local community theater might actually be relevant because it talks to my communication skills. So you have to use your judgment based on what your experiences are. And if you think that something that you've done is relevant and shows that you have credibility for the job that you're applying to, leave it on your LinkedIn profile. If you think that it's you know something that you just did to make a little money when you were younger, then it might not necessarily be relevant. As we move on beyond just the career experience, how do we think about summarizing our education and some of the other experiences and skills that we've accumulated in college? So education is important and going back in your education is important for a couple of reasons. Number one, when we talk about groups to join, if you have your college listed on your educational section, then you can apply for membership in your college alumni group because that has to be you know, verified. Sometimes it's really interesting and I'll encourage people to put their high school education if it's an identifiable high school because you may meet somebody in the course of interviewing who says, oh my God, I can't believe you grew up in Beverly Hills. I'm from there also. So sometimes you find some commonalities by going back and listing your high school. If your high school wasn't particularly memorable, if you don't think it's really going to resonate with anyone, that's really up to you. And the other thing that I would put in education is if you do any specific courses, you know, certifications, things like that, technology training, or if you do a semester abroad to list that in your educational section that you spent a semester wherever, whatever school it was studying, whatever you studied there. I think that there's a couple different ways to think about your education. Not only can you put in what your education is in terms of what school you went to, what your majors were, there's also courses and accomplishments. And so you can talk about what courses you've taken in college and basically list out the classes that you've taken. In my LinkedIn resume, I think I have nine courses that I took. And honestly, they were the only nine that I could remember when I was filling out my LinkedIn profile. But there's also projects that you've done. So if you have any sort of capstone project or anything that is specifically memorable or notable, you can add those in a different point in your LinkedIn profile. This is a nice way to flush out your profile to make it look like you have a fair amount of experience. And also what you could add are activities or memberships, sororities, fraternities, clubs that you belong to, competitive teams that you play on, intramural sports, anything of that nature, you can also add, there's room to add that in your education section. So, you know, don't just use it to list the school that you went to. I think that's really important. So you can fill out your accomplishments. That includes your courses. It includes your projects. The other thing that you can add in to flush out your profile is the skills that you have. Leslie, talk to me about how you summarize and highlight your skills. What is appropriate to put on your LinkedIn profile? I try to encourage people to put as many skills as they can claim they know. So one way to start to summarize your skills is to read through your resume and see the words that you use that are actually words that describe skills. It could be research. It could be social media etc. And try to list as many skills as you can 
because one of the things that LinkedIn can do that a resume can't is it can actually segregate your skills and show people if they just want to see all the skills that you have acquired, you can see that very easily on LinkedIn. And it also assists employers who use LinkedIn as a recruiting tool to identify whether you're a candidate that's qualified for the job that they're searching for. One thing to keep in mind is that LinkedIn actually limits the number of skills that you can put to 50. My advice is to find 50 skills and put them in there. And you can rephrase a couple of the skills. This is another way to make sure that you are being visible and findable. If you want to be in marketing, put 50 marketing skills, right? If you're going after marketing jobs, if you're interested in finance, put 50 finance skills. Obviously, you have to be able to talk to the skills that you have, but this is also a way where brands are going to be sorting and looking for you. So if you want to say that, if you want people to be finding you for marketing jobs and they're looking for product marketing manager, you better have product marketing manager somewhere on your resume. Skills is a nice way to do it. I'd like to just add one other thing that might be helpful because you want to know how far you need to go with your LinkedIn profile. Is it complete? How does LinkedIn measure the impact of your profile? And they actually do have a rating system. So you can go all the way from beginner to all-star. And the criteria that they use to rank your profile be, you know, do you have a headshot? Do you have at least five skills? Do you have a summary, location, industry? current position, education, all those fields. So if you want to know how well your LinkedIn profile is completed, this is one of the measurements that you can do to find out. I think the last thing to talk about is credibility on your LinkedIn profile. You can go through and you can add all sorts of content, describe who you are, some of the things that you've done. But when somebody's looking at your profile and they want to understand if you are actually a credible person and a valid candidate for you, very important thing is to have recommendations. Leslie, walk me through the process of finding recommendations. LinkedIn makes this relatively easy. How many recommendations does somebody need? Well, if we're talking about college students and early careerists, my recommendation is to have anywhere between two and four recommendations. Now, the first thing you need to know about recommendations is that in order to ask somebody for a recommendation, you have to be connected to them on LinkedIn. So if you work for somebody that you'd like to ask for a recommendation, but they don't have a LinkedIn profile, find somebody else because they're not going to be able to provide you with a LinkedIn recommendation unless they are on LinkedIn and connected to you. The other thing is, so LinkedIn does make it very easy. Right in that top box, there's a little box next to more that has three dots with a drop-down menu and it says request a recommendation. So the recommendation, when it is sent to the person that you are requesting the recommendation from, once it's completed, will be sent back to you and you have to click on it to say that you want to add it to your profile. So if you read it and you say, eh, I don't know, you know, it doesn't seem so great. I'd like to try to find a better recommendation. It won't appear on your LinkedIn profile and you can just move on. Also remember that professors can be recommenders faculty, advisors can be recommenders. So it doesn't have to just be somebody who you worked for in a job or internship. Let's talk about who should not be a recommender. If you're connected to your mom, should your mom be writing you a recommendation? I think we all know the answer to this. Moms, cover your ears. <laughs> <laughs> also, peers probably don't make really credible recommenders you know, family. So I've seen it be the case where somebody worked for their father's firm and then their father recommended them on LinkedIn. It's not something that you want to do. I think that 
If you're working for the family firm, try to get somebody with a different last name to write the recommendation for you. I do think that there is a scenario where a peer evaluation is okay. I would not have only your peers writing recommendations for you. If you're trying to get four recommendations, somebody that managed you in an internship, a professor, an advisor, a peer might be the fourth one, where somebody that worked very closely with you on an important project. Leslie and I worked together on the Capstone project our senior year. She was instrumental in the organization of the project, which helped us both succeed in college. I learned a tremendous amount about her and felt that she was a good collaborative partner. Hey, that's a peer recommendation that has value. But if you're only getting recommendations from fellow students or people that are your peers, it's going to come across hollow. You need to have some people that are more senior than you that have managed you be writing the vast majority of your recommendations. To give it a little context, think about who's going to be reading the recommendations. It's mostly going to be read by people who are thinking about recruiting you or employing you. So that's the perspective that you want to share with them. I think the last thing that's on the profile is the interest section where you're able to show what are some of the things that you're following. Talk to me about when you follow a brand on LinkedIn, that's actually something that is visible to the rest of the community. So who should you be following on LinkedIn and how does that reflect how companies look at you? Well, we suggest to our clients that they follow every company that they're thinking about applying to, have applied to or, you know, are kind of a leader in the industry that they're interested in. And the reason is because then you will see posted in your LinkedIn feed articles that they share, posts that they share about what's happening at the company, um, what are the current events, and then you can get a sense for, if you're lucky enough to be preparing for an interview, you have some current information that you can read. What I think is also interesting is not just who I am following directly, but who the people that I'm following are following. So you also get in your feed stuff that, you know, let's say you, Ben, liked what somebody posted. Then I'll see in my feed that you like what they posted. And I might read it and find it interesting as well and may think, oh, okay, that's somebody that I'd like to follow. In addition, maybe you've read some blog posts or somebody's come out with a book that you think is pretty interesting or somebody's a thought leader. So, you know, in my case, it might be somebody who's a thought leader in higher education or somebody who's a thought leader in the career space. So I like to follow those people also because I always find that they post interesting, thoughtful articles and you find out about books that they've written, speaking tours that they're doing, you know, current events related to them. So the thing that's important, though, is that you have to look at your feed. Otherwise, following all these people isn't going to mean anything. I think at the end of the day, when we talk about how to fill out your LinkedIn profile, you need to keep the context that when people view your profile, they're trying to get an assessment of who you are from a professional perspective. This is different than other social networks where you're showing what your personality is, some of the things that you like to do personally. This is about who you are in the professional environment. So everything from your headshot, the way that you describe your experience, your summary, your positioning, even down to the keywords that you're using in your copy. It all helps paint a picture of who you are professionally. When you're thinking about filling out your profiles in LinkedIn, a lot of the times this is the opposite of your resume where more is really more. And it doesn't mean that you have to use more words, but fill out the whole profile. 
get more people that are going to connect with you, get more recommendations, right? The more that you can show that you're engaging with the community, the more it's going to show that you are truly paying attention to your career. Leslie, any last words on how to fill out your LinkedIn profile? One area that we didn't discuss is the area of endorsements. So endorsements are basically related to the skills that you have said that you have in your LinkedIn profile. So I might, for example, go on Ben's LinkedIn profile and endorse him for podcast host or communication skills or interview skills. And so therefore, the more endorsements that you get for an individual skill, the more credibility it gives to that skill being one of your strengths. I think that's great advice. And I think that as you think about whether you need to invest time in your LinkedIn profile, truthfully, this doesn't take as much time as something like your resume should. A lot of these tools are automated, so it's easy to make the connections and get the endorsements and fill out your skills What matters is that you actually spend the time to do it. It will pay off in spades. And in our next episode, we're going to talk about how to make sure that you're making the most out of that LinkedIn profile that you've just completed. So that wraps up this episode of the Finding a Job podcast. Thanks to Leslie Mittler, the co-founder and career coach at Early Stage Careers for joining us. If you'd like to learn more about Leslie, you can click on the link to her LinkedIn profile in our show notes. You can send her a tweet. Her company's Twitter handle is Early Stage Careers, E-A-R-L-Y-S-T-G-C-A-R-E-E-R-S. Or you can visit her company's website, which is earlystagecareers.com. Just a couple of links in our show notes that I'd like to tell you about. If you didn't have a chance to take notes while you were listening to this podcast, don't worry about it. We've got you covered. Head over to FAJPod, which stands for findingajobpodcast.com, FAJPod.com, where we have summaries of all of our episodes and contact information for our guests. If you're a subscriber to the Finding a Job podcast, thanks for being a member of our community. We'd love to hear from you. So send us all your topic suggestions or your interview questions, which we can answer live on our show. Of course, you can always reach out on social media. Our handle is FAJPod on LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram. And if you haven't subscribed yet and you want a regular stream of job search tips and strategies in your podcast feed, we're going to publish episodes multiple times during the week. So hit the subscribe button in your podcast app. Okay, that's it for today. But until next time, my advice is to keep networking and stay positive.